So this morning I want to talk about regeneration. Um, I'm glad that we sang that song. These are the days of Ezekiel. The dry bones becoming as flesh. I always was intrigued with that story. So um, I want to just um, give you a little bit of up to date of how we actually got to that. And that's going to be the reference if you want to, if you want to look it up on your iPads, your phones, your Bibles. So in, um, in 605 BC, just a little background, obviously, then uh, General Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he moves up the east bank of the Euphrates River and he's about ready, and this is like in early August, around the middle of August, he takes control of the whole Middle East and uh, he's in Jerusalem. His father dies and he returns back to Babylon again and to um, secure his position as the new king of Babylon. And while, while he's on his way back there, what, what he ends up doing is taking a bunch of family members from a lot of the royal families in, in Jerusalem. So there was Jews, there was Phoenicians, there was Syrians, and uh, there were Egyptians, and there were a lot more. So he's taken, mostly what he did, he took the, the really good stock of people. He left some people behind so that they could work the fields and, and keep you know, didn't want to ruin Jerusalem totally. Uh, at that time, Daniel, that's when Daniel took off with him. He was uh, somewhere between the ages of 15 and 20 years old or so, 23 years old. He's taken to Babylon. Jeremiah, the prophet, he takes off to, with a um, small group of people, and they head into Egypt. So Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel are all in the same um, contemporary area. Jeremiah has gone to Egypt. And then Ezekiel's still um, in Jerusalem, but in uh, February of 597, Nebuchadnezzar, he comes back to Jerusalem again, and that's in February and around the middle of March, probably closer to like around March 10th, if you like details, um, he seizes Jerusalem again. And amongst the, another 10,000 people that he takes back to Babylon with him is Ezekiel, and he's basically... A, I think he's about 25 years old then when he's taken and he's taken to the river of Babylon to the rivers of Babylon and that's where we get that song from by the rivers of Babylon and what he's doing is slave labor uh, digging canals and and uh, controlling the Euphrates River so we have um, Daniel went to Babylon Jeremiah he took off to Egypt and Ezekiel is on the Euphrates River with a bunch of uh, slaves digging holes in the ground and basically controlling the water. Now, on July 5th, 593, which is a few years later, after a seven-day trance, the Bible tells us, Ezekiel was in a trance for seven days, and I'm not sure exactly how he found that kind of time to be in a trance, but that's when he saw his first vision. So he's basically around 30 years old at this time, maybe a bit older. Jeremiah was about 55 years old, and Daniel was about 35 years old. So let's go to the scripture, and this is how we got to this point here. So a valley of dry bones. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And again, this is Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. He led me all among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, 
you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. And they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. So God had a question after this. And this is a question that only God could think of. Because to us, if, if we saw a valley of dry, worn-out bones, the last thing, thing we'd be thinking about is, how are those bones going to come back to life again? It doesn't make sense to us as people. We think dead is equal to dead, not dead is equal to life. We don't think like that. But this was a disgraced people, you see. They were, they were lost. This is in the scripture says that they were in Babylon and they had lost absolutely all hope. They were scattered all over the place like we talked about how Jeremiah was there, Daniel was there, Ezekiel was there. Everything was a mess. It was all scattered. And the regeneration of these the bones represented God not giving up on his people. And Ezekiel, didn't, he didn't have any hope in the bones. But he did have a whole lot of hope in God. People lost their identity. There was no temple. Look at this temple that we have here. This is all that remained of the temple like nowadays. And this is the wailing wall. But this was the significance of their identity. And it was gone. They were dispersed. They couldn't even go back there. And even to this day, this is how they pray there. They put their little prayers in there and on their, on their cards and they stick their face in there. And it's quite sad. They're, they're really t trying to grasp and to identify with God. But that's all that's left of their temple. So really what happened, the people lost their identity. There was no temple. 
And they started to question whether or not God had been overthrown by a lesser Babylonian God. There was a real crisis of faith. But now the, the Bible tells us now that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now in our Christian lives today, this is what changed. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. The bones were very unlikely to come together as a skeleton and less likely as a body. And least of all, they were going to come together as a living body. But this is my first big statement. I want you to get this. God's, work, God's works are carried out by himself and his power. They cannot be affected by any counsel or power but his own. Now, I had a picture here of um, some something what I took. I don't know if you can see this. But this is actually an actual street in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. <laughs> it's on, obviously, granted it's on a construction street. But it doesn't really matter because... This is one of several of these kind of piles of rubbish all around the, the, the northern suburbs. And I felt like this represented something to me, that a lot of times our bones and like our lives, and figuratively speaking, our dry bones become disjointed. It's a real mess out there. It's scattered all over the place basically it looks like it's in total ruins and it was almost like a battle was fought there and life can get a bit like that sometimes it's a bit messy but when God puts something together and he heals your life and he works in your life and brings things together he restores he puts them together in the right way he brought the bones together in the right way. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Ezekiel 37, 14. God in regeneration restores life. He, in our lives, he's not going to create a new you. Because you already exist. But what he's going to do is going to restore Something that already has life, but perhaps has been long dead. Sometimes God will breathe into us and bring us back to this new understanding, our new revelation, our new something to, to bring us back to life. And then we know that we're going to live. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. So there's a hope for humanity. There's all kinds of situations, and with the, with the billions of people in the earth, there's a limitless amount of pro
problems and situations going on. And now there's a response to every situation. By the word and by the spirit of God, man can be reborn. We can be healed of all our separations. Because I've come to realize that one of the biggest things about being a human now is in this day and age is there's this feeling of separation like I don't connect with people I don't belong that's why we know that the greatest growing churches in South America are ones where people make relational um, you know relationships because they feel like they belong so man's can be healed of separation issues and also as a humanity as a whole we all are united under one king now King Jesus with God's spirit anything is possible without it existence is just flesh and blood you know when you in our trip when we, were, we did so much flying over that month that you, you get to look at the earth and you can realize that the earth is um, it's very big, but we're kind of mis unfortunate type of people where we're bound to it. But if it wasn't for Jesus Christ coming and interjecting and God interjecting him into humanity, we would have absolutely no hope of anything. We would be stuck. We would have anything. You could go and you could just have flesh and blood. But because of what Jesus Christ did in, our, in the world and for humanity and, and because of our belief and faith in him, we can claim this, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So the question is, the question is, can you? And how do you identify God's Spirit working in your life? Because everything that happens to you, God brings life. And sometimes if we can't tell the difference between is that from the enemy or is that from God, we can use that base. God brings life. Even to a valley of scattered dry bones, he's talking about bringing them back to life again. So if the enemy comes up to you and says, that is never going to work, and you are really, really silly for believing that, you're never going to prosper and that it's going to become a nothing. You can say, hang on. God brings life. God, with God's spirit, anything is possible. And so I believe in the impossible situations because I serve a God of impossibilities. Interesting enough, though, that those bones weren't buried. And that represented Israel. Once you bury bones in the Old Testament, they were done 
was the end of it. But these ones were outside in the valley under the sun. And so that represented to those Israelites that there was still a bit of hope. Can you identify how God's spirit is working in you? And just just think, Lord, what are things you've been doing in my life? Jesus said, life, life more abundantly. There's the valley of dry bones all over the place. Disjointed. But life more abundantly in John 10 10 super abundance of a thing that's what it means life more abundantly super abundance refers to life in abounding fullness of joy and strength for the mind for the body and for the soul abundance because we know we flip to romans six twenty three. for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Like I said, if Jesus didn't interject himself in humanity and into our cause and into our system of life, we would be doomed. We would be dead as those bones. But because God was so great and loves bringing life so much, he said, I know how I'm going to make those people live. Even though we're not scattered around the desert, sometimes it can feel like we're all just a big mess. But nothing, no place on earth, no time, no sin, no situation can keep God's spirit from his people. We read in Romans 8.31 here, or 8.38 to 39. And I am, con and I love this, and I know many of you would love this too. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Um, this one really talks to me. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. That's a big one. Not even the powers of hell, whatever they are, can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from his love. I think I think the Lord over over time continuously reminds us that even though we don't always see the big picture or get it we might get stuck in little situations or in our little little world in front of us what's happening to us and circumstances uh, I just finished recently speaking to a, a young fellow that is in dire trouble, <laughs> and it, and it was a, it's been a long several day conversation. But he's caught up in this situation, and I said, "Did you pray about it? Did you ask the Lord? You know?" And he goes, "I do every day, every day. I asked God about it, 
even though he's not getting an immediate answer, I still believe that God ultimately has the love that he has for you in mind. What is happening in your life, the undercurrent of it is God loves you. God gave you his spirit. God was interested in regenerating these bones of the Israelites to bring them back, to give them a hope that one day they will be back in their hometown of Jerusalem. They will have a place to worship. Can you imagine if God took his spirit away from you? Oh, what a terrible feeling that would be. Where we go, well, we have no more God. We have no more Savior. We have no more hope. And that was the problem that Ezekiel had to deal with. He had a bunch of people that had absolutely zero hope. Today we have some hope because we have Jesus. We have lives that are fairly good. Um, but as the bones come together, they were all assembled together in the right order. The Bible teaches us that it's assembled, everything. This, the muscles came back, the ligaments came back, the skin came back. And that was all done through the preaching, through the word. So that's one of the reasons why we preach. So that it gives you the encouragement that, hey, it's okay. God can help you. Your life can be fixed. And your life, it, it, it is good. But the second thing is, he told Ezekiel, call out and pray for my spirit. Call out to those four winds. So the other thing, aside from preaching and singing songs, what we got to do, we got to pray, Lord, send your spirit. By, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. How many battles and complications I've claimed that verse through my whole life. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. We are more than conquerors through Christ. The victory is ours. The list goes on and on and on and on. We need to read our Bible. We need to pray. We need to do this because without the Spirit of God, we don't really have the true breath of life. We have skin. We have blood and flesh. But it's that Spirit. So that's my message today that let's rejoice Thank you, Lord, for breathing life into us. That's not part of Psalms 118.24, but that's something someone put on the top of it, but I liked it. Thank you, Lord, for breathing life into us. And this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's all uh, just pray um, and thank the Lord for this word. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you that there's so much to digest and that we could just keep it simple that um, to remind us that your spirit is so important to us, that we have hope, that we have a joy, that we have strength for our mind, for our body, for our souls, for our relationships, for our situations. You are our hope. You saw to it that we would come to you and you are most interested in life. Thank you that you love life and that you love the world so much that you've given your only begotten son that 
whosoever believes in him, such a simple thing, Father, but so hard for so many, will have everlasting life. So we give you all the praise and the thanks, Father, and glory to your name. Thank you for the world and all that it is and uh, your great power in it. And uh, may we continue to, to um, walk in a way with you, Lord, that we feel comfortable, we feel confident and encouraged that um, you are totally in control like you were 2,600 years ago when you were talking to Ezekiel about this. You love people. Thank you for that. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.